Revelation chapter 20. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. The physician Luke in the eighth chapter of the gospel bearing his name, told the story of Jesus' encounter with a man in the region of the Gerasenes. The man was possessed by many demons who lived in tombs. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion for many demons had entered him. They were imploring him not to command them to go away into the abyss. Legion was terrified. First, they recognized Jesus as the Son of the Most High God. Second, they knew the Messiah had authority over them. Finally, there was one place they did not want to go, the abyss. The abyss for Satan and his minions is a prison of a thousand years. So here in the Apostles' vision, Christ has come to earth again and has overcome the forces of evil. Now he is after their boss. The angel from heaven is the law enforcer, the jailer, and the angel takes Satan into custody. The jail is the abyss, the very one the Gerasene demons were afraid of. They were so afraid that they were willing to possess a herd of pigs, commanding them to be drowned in the Sea of Galilee. Satan's prison sentence is 1,000 years, a millennium. Continuing in verse 4, Then I saw thrones. And they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand and they came to life 
and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The thrones seen here by John were prophesied by Christ himself in Matthew 19.28. And Jesus said to them, Truly, I say to you, that you who have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And earlier, in Revelation 3.21, He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. The martyrs, those who refuse to comply with the Antichrist during the Great Tribulation, are resurrected to rule with Christ during the millennium. Continuing in verse 5. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. The revelation of the millennium makes things quite clear. There are two resurrections. One at the beginning of the millennium, and another at the end. The first of these receive the fifth of the seven Beatitudes of the book. The end of the millennium focuses on the release of the prisoner who makes it plain that rehabilitation doesn't apply to him. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. Satan learned absolutely nothing in his imprisonment. The nations also refused to acknowledge this prophecy nor the sovereignty of Christ. This is Groundhog Day. We've seen all this before. And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. So much for the classic definition of insanity. Did the nations really think there would be a different outcome? 
and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire in brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. The fate of Satan is predictable now and is certain when it happens. Everything that happens in between is distraction, deception, and simply noise. The source has been dealt with summarily and eternally. The judgment that follows is the one in which all who believe in Jesus Christ should be concerned. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whom whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. Back in chapter 6, we saw this moment predicted. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who? is able to stand. Continuing in verse 12. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. And another, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. The prophet Daniel saw this moment in chapter 7, verse 10. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him and myriads upon myriads were standing before him the court sat, and the books were opened. Continuing in verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to to their deeds. The second resurrection is completed. The multitude are gathered for one reason judgment. 
according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Satan, Antichrist, and the false prophet are already occupants of their final destination. What John documents here is the transfer of the unrepentant dead to join their leadership in their ultimate prison, the lake of fire. All the off-ramps on the highway to the lake have been passed. Repentance of one's sinful nature. Acceptance of the grace, the free gift of salvation through Christ Jesus. The death of the self. Enabling life in the Holy Spirit. The embrace of the sovereignty of Almighty God. Next exit, the lake of fire. Continuing in verse 15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The book of life is obviously critical. As Christ said to the church in Sardis in Revelation 3, 5, He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. When Moses pleaded the case of the errant Israelites who turned to idolatry in Exodus thirty-two, thirty-two. But now, if you will forgive their sin, and if not, please blot me out from your book which you have written. He was keenly aware of the book of life and the importance of one's name recorded therein. The seventy who were sent out in the name of Jesus, when joyfully reporting their successes, were told by the Savior in Luke 10.20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. And so should we rejoice. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near.